Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. For those of you that aren't comfortable, well, not comfortable, but that's not the right word, familiar with our format on Wednesday nights, it is a service, as you can see, but it's a more of a Bible study service. We're going through the book of Acts. Since January of 2020, we've been going through different books of the Bible, chapters, and one verse at a time. So now, right now, we're going through the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 13, 44. We see that the Apostle Paul's um, missionary journeys have begun. Those of you that are familiar with this, if you have a hard copy Bible, you look in the back sometimes, and look in the back if you have a hard copy Bible. Let me know. I'm interested to know. Let me know if you see anything about Paul's missionary journeys. Okay, that's not in this Bible, but I've seen those in Bible. You know, in the maps section, sometimes they have an outline, Paul's missionary journeys. And does it have it coded, color-coded? How many, how many, can you tell by looking at the legend, sis, how many missionary journeys it has listed on the map? Or not really? Those are the ones we know of. So eight, you're, you're counting eight on there. It's seven of them. That's a good number. So he, uh, the Apostle Paul went through all kinds of stuff. We'll be getting into that later. Here's some foreshadowing. He, he survives all kinds of stuff, whippings, beatings, jail time, stoning, um, shipwrecks, you name it. You name it. So all for the name of Jesus. So here we are, Acts 13.44. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear, hear them preach the word of the Lord. Imagine that. That's a lot of folks, right? But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, just like they did Jesus, remember what Jesus said? If they've treated the master this way, how are they going to treat you? That's my paraphrase of it. Jesus predicted this stuff. said, if they're treating me bad, look, you're not of this world either once you've accepted me, so they're not going to like you either. So the Jews saw the crowds. They were jealous, of course. So they slandered Paul. What is slander? They spoke ill of him. And they argued against whatever he said. They were contentious, you know, just arguing every point. Whatever he said was wrong to them, all because they were jealous. Their motives were wrong. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have what? Rejected it. Look at the power of this statement. Because you've rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, wow, we will offer it to the Gentiles. Did you know when you reject God's word, you're basically saying, I'm un unworthy of eternal life. People don't realize that. When people say, the cross, that's ridiculous. So he died on the cross for our sins. He shed blood. Oh, I'm a sinner. Oh, no, I'm not. You've just judged yourself unworthy of eternal life. That's powerful says, because you've judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. Who are Gentiles? Most of us in here are Gentiles, non-Jews. Anyone else who is not Jewish, okay, um, by blood or heritage there. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles. Talk to me about a light. Why, why is a light important? Talk about it in the physical realm. Why do we have lights? So you can see. Um. Uh, the psalmist said, uh, your word is a, a light unto my feet and a lamp, or a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Why? So you can, so you can see where you're stepping. 
light is useful. Have you ever noticed that no matter how dark the room, you can put the weakest little bulb. It may not light up the whole room, but it'll light up enough where you can see a point of reference in a room. We, uh, we've been blessed with a new house since May, and um, we've had to figure out what light do we leave on because we have a dog who is, she's aging and she has issues, <laughs> and she'll get up at all hours of the night here and there. And so when I hear her panting and pacing, I get up with her. Why? Because she has accidents. She's not herself. So I've noticed that after I've been sleeping, and it's, it's really dark when you sleep, right, when you close your eyelids. So I get up, and all we have in the kitchen is the light from the digital readout on the microwave and the light from the digital readout on the stove. I can see. I can see just enough. I mean, I may trip over the other dog who's laying down, and I've got to be careful of that. He's <laughs> very paranoid of me. <laughs> I've done it over the years, and he's like scraping, trying to get away from me. He's scared, and I'm bumping into him when he's laying down. He thinks I'm going to step on him. But even those little points of reference help me navigate. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Do you remember that? You're the light of the world. So look at this command. The Lord gave us his command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles. Wow. Quoting scripture here. To bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. Extra credit. I almost said extra credit which would be catchy. Extra credit. Does anyone know the farthest corner of the earth from Israel? If you know this, I'm going to be so impressed because you're wondering how I know it, but I just remembered a strange factoid. The farthest place on earth from Israel, any, any guesses? Come on, let's have some guesses. It's not Egypt. That's right nearby. So just take the, you're seeing the pyramids in your mind right now? That's not it. It's not New Mexico. Farthest place on the planet from Israel in miles. It's in the Pacific Ocean. We need to look into it, double check, but I believe it's Fiji. The farthest place on the planet from Israel. Interesting. And the gospel has gone there. Did you know Fiji water came as a result of a revival? God was moving on the island, and they discovered this amazing water. I'm going to tell you right now, that water has a pH balance, interesting, of seven. Very godly sounding. Sounds like it's from heaven, but that water is special. I've, I've had stomach issues over the years, but drinking it, when I would drink that water, it would even balance my stomach. Fascinating. So all because the gospel was brought sal salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. Look at that. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and they thanked the Lord for his message. <laughs> the Gentiles, why? It was the season of the Gentiles. God was moving on. Um, typically, faith came through the Jews, didn't it? You got the Old Covenant, and Jesus was spoken about through the Old Covenant, and now here came Jesus, and he, Scripture says in John chapter 1, he came unto his own, and his own did not recognize him. But many of, many of his did. And that's why you have the Apostle Paul and all these other Jewish folks, Mary Magdalene, Jewish people preaching the gospel, right? Different apostles. But look at this is a season of the Gentiles, non-Jews to receive the gospel. It was prophesied. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad, and they thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became what? Believers. That's a unique statement. All who were chosen for eternal life became believers. You cannot make a doctrine out of that one verse and go, see, some are chosen to go to hell. No. 
that verse can mean several things. Number one, God, Scripture says that God is not willing. I believe it's in uh, Galatians. I pray I'm right because this is being recorded, right? I believe it's in Galatians. He says he's not willing that any should perish, right? He doesn't want anyone to die without him. He doesn't want you to be separated from him by the second death. Why would he? He created you. He created you for communion with him. So this verse could also mean chosen at that time. How many of you know there's a time and a, a season for people to come to the Lord? Some, some people God has pursued for years. No, no, no. Finally, they hit rock bottom and they cry out to God and they get right with him. So they were chosen for eternal life at this time. Powerful. Everybody has a time and a season. I remember we saw a video years ago. We used to show, we morphed from reel to reel. Do you guys remember those at the old theaters? The reel to reel? Dad used to show those sometimes, show movies, and man, some of them were scary. There was one called The Enemy. It was about demonic stuff. Man, it scared me. I think it still scares me. That, that movie's just creepy. You know, the 70s movies where everybody's bodies are kind of extra long on the camera? It's just kind of creepy. But So we, we, we graduated from reel to reel, and we were doing VHS, VHS tapes. We had a big screen TV. We'd roll in here. And uh, Dad showed us a, a Christian movie one time. It was very unique. It was low budget, but there was something powerful about it. And there were angels talking, and the angel was explaining to a uh, to another angel how in this part of heaven and this part of God's plan, everyone had a certain time where they would be presented the gospel and they would be able to accept it or reject it. It could be that way, but Scripture says today is the day of salvation. Why? Because God wants everyone to accept Him every day. But the clock counts down, and you're running out of time to accept him. And then you accept him, and according to that movie, it was a pretty cool concept. God put all this time back on your clock. Etern he puts eternity on your clock once you accept him. You're counting down, losing time, all the way to the point where you accept or reject Jesus. Powerful, powerful concept. Let's go on to the next verse. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Then the Jews, surprising, right? The Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran what? Ran them out of town. So when you're reading these things, it is never God's intent or purpose to have you upset with the Jewish people. That's not his intent or purpose. There are, there's something that uh, today we refer to as replacement theology, and some believe that, well, because of the New Testament, because of Jesus, God is done with the Jewish people, and now it's only Gentiles. He's done with his people. That's not true if you read the book of Revelation. Scripture says at some point, all of Israel will be saved. We don't know what this means exactly. One verse refers to all of Israel being saved in a day. I don't know if that's a season, a week, an actual 24 hours, a moment. I don't know. But God's not done with his people. Why? Because his covenants are forever. We have a new and better covenant, the New Testament, but he's not done keeping his promise to the people of the, the people of the book, right? The Old Testament believers who maybe they missed Jesus up to this point. They didn't know who he was, but at some point they're going to recognize him, Scripture says. And when they do, they'll be saved. That's powerful. Can you imagine if God just says, no, I'm just done with you? That's terrible. No, God never, he's never been done with the Jews, but it has been what many scholars refer to as the time of the Gentiles. At some point, my dad talks about this, 
At some point, the last Gentile convert will take place. The last non-Jew on the planet who's going to accept Jesus. That's going to happen. Who knows when, right? That has to be sometime, logically. And then it will be the time of the Jews again for God to save his people. Because most Jews now don't believe in Jesus as the Savior. They just don't. But God has not forgotten his people. Aren't you glad he hasn't forgotten you? And we've got to humbly remember we never get a bad attitude against God's original people because through them Jesus came, through them the gospel came, through them the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament came, through the Jews. Praise God. We've just got to remember that, look, their time is coming. And uh, Paul at one point in the Scriptures in the New Testament, he says, be humble and remember the original vine is the Jewish people, but you have been grafted in. What does that mean? Well, that is a horticulture or horticultural, horticulturalist term or a botany, botany term. You can graft certain parts of plants into other plants and let them grow together. It's amazing that way. So we've been grafted into the original vine by faith in Jesus. We've got to remember that and stay humble, okay? Because some believers, they start to get mad at Jews, there have been people, uh, terrible example because they weren't real Christians, but the Nazis originally in Germany in the 30s and 40s, they called themselves Christians, and they, they persecuted Jews calling them Christ killers, which doesn't make sense because Jesus had to die so that we could all be saved. But, you know, the enemy will use anything that he can, all right? So moving on. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. Who, who taught us to shake the dust from our feet when people didn't want the gospel? Jesus did when he sent out the 70. You guys remember that in Scripture? He said, if they don't receive the word, shake the dust off your feet. He said, man, I'll deal with them. Move on, all right? And they went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that powerful? Joy and with the Holy Spirit. The same thing happened in Iconium, though. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both what? Jews and Greeks became believers. Mm. Here we go again. So you had Jew and non-Jew accepting Jesus, believing. Remember, how do you become a believer? You believe in Jesus. That's simple, isn't it? Not always easy for people. It's a stumbling block. Scripture said, Jesus himself said, look, I'm going to be a stumbling block to people. The psalmist said, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense. What does that mean? People are going to, in the 80s and 90s, we used to say that. We don't say it as much now. Remember? Man, you're tripping. You remember? People used to say that. He's tripping. We said that a lot in school. Well, they trip over Jesus. The problem is, if you, uh, according to Scripture, if you fall on him of your own free will, meaning you fall down on your knees on him, you'll be broken. But if you wait until he falls on you, you'll be crushed to dust. You'll be crushed to powder. That's what Scripture says. So don't wait until God brings judgment. Judge yourself and fall on him to fall at his mercy. That's a rock of offense, a stone. Everybody's going to stumble over it, but how you stumble over it, that's between you and God. If you stumble over that stone and fall on it and say, God, man, change me. I need the Lord. I, I need this. It's, it's stopping me in my path here. I've got to fall on this rock and be broken. What is brokenness scripturally? It means humility. But if you wait until he brings judgment, he will crush you to powder. Scripture says God destroys, lays waste the house of the proud. Scripture also says God, um, 
He resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. What is grace? Grace is undeserved favor. Grace is also empowerment to do right. Okay? So here we are. Some of the Jews, however, right? Jews and Greeks were believing, but some of the Jews, they spurned. They scoffed at it. They pushed it away. They rejected God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Jesus said, were you speaking to the Pharisees? Remember what he said? He said, you don't enter into the kingdom of heaven and you don't allow others to enter in either. I've met people like that. They don't want to serve God, but they don't want you to serve God either. That's crazy. No. And that's what they're doing right there. They're not going to serve God and believe in Jesus, but they, they were poisoning the minds of the Gentiles. They said, we're not going to believe. We don't want y'all to believe either. But the apostles stayed there a long time, regardless, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving what? them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. That has not ended with the apostles just because you haven't seen it a lot. America has been, has been so blessed for all these years. People have not needed miracles, but I'm going to tell you right now, the day is coming. You'll see it in your lifetime where God begins to manifest His power in signs and wonders again. We see it here and there in churches. We've seen it in crusades in America. Maybe you've seen some miracles. I believe we have miracles every day in our lives personally, but miraculous signs and wonders, arms growing out, people getting healed. I've seen some stuff like that in my time, and it's amazing. It's going to happen again. You just watch because Jesus is returning soon. You guys been keeping track of all the earthquakes on the planet lately? So as of yesterday, there was an earthquake in Melbourne, Australia. I, you'd have to look it up when the last earthquake was there. It was only a five point something, but it was an earthquake. And at the same time, a, a volcano was erupting in Italy. And there's been earthquakes all over the world the last two months especially. Just interesting. What does that mean? Jesus said, the time of the end, these will be what he called the birth pains, meaning it's coming soon. It's warnings. Warnings. All right? Let's move on to the next verse. But the people of the town were divided in their opinion about them. That's, that's what's going on even in our lives. Some will support you as a believer. Some will not. Some think you're crazy. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Apostles meaning messengers. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. Back in the day... Hardcore, man. That is very up close and personal. Can you imagine killing someone with stones? That is, that is just, that sounds crazy. When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Lyconia, to the towns of Lystra and Derby and the surrounding area. And there they preached the good news. The good news is another word for the gospel. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. Here comes another miracle. Get ready. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. Isn't that incredible? He was what? He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. This is a powerful moment in uh, church history. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. The guy's believing. He's looking, going, man, I... Man, I believe he didn't say it, but Paul looked at him and he was he was able to discern by the spirit of God. He had a knowing prophetically. He said, wow, this man has faith to be healed. So Paul called him in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. <laughs> when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect. These men are gods in human form. People were crazy. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus. All right, you'd have to know your mythology for some of this. Zeus was the chief of the gods, according to um, 
Zeus, I believe, was the Greeks, and Jupiter was the Romans, but same thing. Um, they believe he was the chief of the gods, and that's not God, that's some other god, the Greek god Zeus, and that Paul was Hermes. Another word for Hermes is extra credit what? Mercury, since he was the chief speaker. All right? Now, the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town, so the priest of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town what gates, and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. This would be tempting for lots of humans. If they thought some people were gods, even Christians, they'd go, man, well, go ahead and let them. They just see the divine in me. No, 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 no. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out, ran out among the people shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We were, are merely human beings just like you. Stay tuned. Remember, the mob is fickle. Do you know what fickle is? Given to change. Stay with me. This is going to get weirder. We're merely human beings just like you. We've come to bring you the good news that you should turn what? From these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. Isn't that right? Scripture says God has revealed himself to all mankind. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. Strange. They're gods. Then, right, remember the people were sacrificing to them? They're gods, right? Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium, the last few places where they were trying to stone them and kill them, and they won the crowds to their side. Look at the mob. They won the crowd to their side, the crowd who had just said, let's sacrifice to y'all because y'all are divine. Y'all are gods. And then they stoned Paul after they tried to offer sacrifices to him and for him. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town thinking he was what? Dead. Wow. You cannot rely on the mob. That's why you don't need to be worried about popular opinion all the time. You need to be, make sure that you have God's opinion on your side. God is who matters. I've always hated that. Well, what will people think? I care not what people will think. We can't just live and act like a bunch of idiots, but no, we've got to be godly, be good examples, but at some point you've got to care what God thinks more than what people think. Are you all with me? Because the mob changes. They change sides. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town. <laughs> he survived a stoning. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. Powerful. After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium. These guys had guts. They went back to the places where people were trying to kill them. Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia where they strengthened the, the believers. How do you think they strengthened the believers? Anybody? Oh, I guarantee there was prayer going on. Powerful way to strengthen believers. They encouraged them. One great Bible church word, Christianese, right, is they exhorted them. They encouraged. They built them up in their faith. Look, look at the next. They encouraged them to continue in the faith. Man, that's one of my favorite things to tell people. Because it's so powerful, it's so scriptural, is keep the faith, man. Keep the faith. The Apostle Paul, we get that from him. Near the time where his life was winding down, he said, I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. He never gave up or gave in. People give up every day. You know how many pastors leave the ministry in the United States of America every year? 
thousands. You know how many believers quit their faith? You know how many believers quit their faith during COVID? Man, what are they going to do when the earthquakes intensify? What are they going to do when there's other plagues? Say, oh, and, and P- I was talking to someone before church, man. People just use stuff as an excuse to not serve God. No, be encouraged and keep the faith. They encourage them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Let's stop there tonight. Reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Michal, real quick, this was not part of the plan. Let's go to John 16, 33. Let's see what it says in the New Living Translation. John chapter 16, verse 33. I've quoted this verse for years because, man, it is so powerful, so pertinent. One of my favorites. Jesus himself said, he's speaking to his disciples, and in doing so, he's speaking to us right now at this point in time. He says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Y'all ever been through something? You ever lose someone you loved? You ever been heartbroken? You ever been disappointed or betrayed? Yeah, Jesus predicted it. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, Jesus says, because I have what? I have overcome the world. Jesus says, no matter what the world or life throws at you, I've already beat it. Say, what? He hadn't even gone to the cross yet. He overcame before he went to the cross. He had to overcome before he went to the cross. He overcame temptation. Scripture says he lived a sinless life. Did you know even the Muslims believe that Jesus was the only perfect man who ever lived? Muslims. And he's not even, they call him a prophet. They don't believe he's the son of God. But even they admit Jesus was the only perfect person to ever live. But they don't believe he was God. Let's read that verse again. I've told you all this so that you may have peace and rest and comfort and relief in me. Here on earth you will have many trials, sorrows, and hardships, tough times, battles. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes tonight. On that note, man, we can't do much better than that. If there is anyone tonight at the sound of my voice who says, you know what, Pastor Matt? This is a twofold call. I want to pray a blessing over you in a minute. But this is a twofold call. If there's anyone in this house who says, number one, Pastor Matt, I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord, Lord and Savior. I've never publicly confessed the name of Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but if that is you tonight, please raise your hand. We are going to pray together as a family. You say, if I died today or tonight, I don't know where I would go. You need to accept Jesus and make him your Lord. Please raise your hand tonight, and I'm going to pray with you. God bless you. God bless you for your courage. God bless you both. Big hearts, courage. I want everybody in this house to repeat this prayer with me because we're going to make sure you make peace with God. Everybody in this house, raise your hand to the Lord as a sign of less of you and more of Him. Go ahead. And we're going to pray with these two young ladies who raise their hand. God bless them. Everybody in the house say, Heavenly Father. I need you. Everybody repeat this. Say, Father, please forgive me. Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. Say, I can't do it without you. I need you now more than ever. Say, I believe and I confess that Jesus is my Lord and Savior and that he died and rose again to save me from myself, 
from sin, from my past, and from hell. Say, I believe, and by faith, I am saved and right with you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want everybody to look at me. I'm going to pray a blessing over you tonight because God knows the things you need. Scripture says he knows what you need before you even ask him. So let's bow our heads again and pray. Father, I thank you that you're meeting everyone's needs specifically. I don't even have to have folks raise, raise their hands for specific prayers because, God, you already know what they need tonight. And the point of contact is this, Father, that your word says if we pray according to your will, you'll hear us. Another verse says if we abide in you and you abide, your words abide in us, we will ask what we will and you will give it to us. So, Father, we pray believing tonight, knowing that you'll take care of everything we need according to your will. We trust you. We believe you. I break every attack of the enemy. I thank you that your people will go in peace tonight. You have a plan. You have an amazing purpose and a wonderful design for their lives. Their calling is unique, and it's special. And I thank you, God, for the humility in this house tonight and the desire to hear your word and receive it with faith and gladness. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, somebody said, amen.